in a constantly changing world. Today is as simple as it gets. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast to explore, experiment, and power up your leadership to make the difference to your business, your people, and your success. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we dig deep into global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. So hi and welcome to another episode of The Leadership Enigma. And this one is entitled The Big Accelerant. Now I'm absolutely delighted, well I'm super excited at this particular episode because I have three wonderful friends and colleagues with me on this episode. And with four of us on this one, anything could happen. It might be like a tiger by the tail. So let me do some brief introductions. We have Danny Go, and Danny is the CEO of Nexus Frontier Tech at the moment, a serial entrepreneur, certainly an entrepreneur expert for Said, which is Oxford University. He's been the advisor and judge to several tech startups. In fact, he's helped numerous startups through those early stages, which is oh so important. And Danny, you're with us. Say hi, because you're in Malaysia at the moment, I believe. Hi, everyone. Hi to you. We've also got Mark Esposito. Now, Mark, you're in Spain. You're the chief learning officer of Nexus Frontier, a social or socio, should I say, economic strategist, co-author of the best-selling Understanding How Future Unfolds. I think you also did the AI Republic, but you can uh, correct me in a minute. So you're a great interface between business, tech and government, and certainly part of the faculty of Harvard, Hult and Cambridge University Judge. Wow, Mark, welcome to you as well. Thanks so much, Adam. And yes, connecting from Spain, and finally we're having some good weather over here. I'm jealous already, that's for sure. And we've also got Terence Say, and Terence is the executive director also of Nexus Frontier Tech. He's an educator, keynote, and advisor across businesses, the EU, UN, and the World Economic Forum. Also a co-author along with Mark of Understanding How the Future Unfolds in AI Republic, and a professor at the London campus of ESCP Europe Business School. Welcome, Terence, and I know you're in London. Hello, Adam. Like, uh, very, very pleased to be here today. By the way, before we start, I want to tell you this. I miss Brexit. <laughs> well, we're recording this in the middle of a global pandemic, and I suppose we've all forgotten Brexit until some kind of normality comes back and then we'll yeah. all focus again on Brexit. So I, I don't know. But I wanted to thank you all for taking the time and effort for joining me on this episode. And I have really been looking forward to this one because this could go anywhere. And for me, that's always my favorite way of doing a, a podcast. So this is about the big accelerant. What do we mean by that, gentlemen? Who's going to start me off? I can kick it off, Adam. I think it's uh, something Thanks, that I've been trying to work around this. You know, this pandemic, we see many different sides to it. But one of the things that this pandemic will forever be remembered for is that it has transformed some of our habits and, and accelerated the use of technology uh, because it was the only way we had to interface with a physical world that was currently put on lockdown. Yes. And so many companies have resorted to use uh, first maybe cheap or open innovation solutions, but very likely in the months to come, they will continue to accelerate their integration of technology in their operations. And it's like we went into an echo chamber where within 30 or 60 days, depending on how long we've been on a lockdown, we have accelerated by three, four, five, six years. 
And right. this is why I think the big accelerant nicely captured what has really happened. I mean, Mark, right? If you think about it, right? You know, take the take, take business school, take universities, you know, as a, you know, as an example. Um, I think like a university, academic, like a, in academic, in that industry, it's, it's always, always been very, very slow in a taking on the, the latest technologies. And then all of a sudden, you know, like uh, by some external, huge external force, we had got no choice but to actually switch everything online. And apparently everything is doable. So in so many ways, right, uh, we are actually really seriously looking at, uh, you know, like a future brought to us, you know, in like almost an instant. You know, like, uh, and I guess, you know, there is always a silver lining, you know, in all calamities. Uh, to echo on to Terence and Mark's remark, um, we at Nexus Frontier Tech have actually, have always been uh, at the forefront of providing digital transformation of AI to enterprise operating system. Yep. And in the last one month, we've actually seen a sudden influx of inquiry, not because they want to plan the, for the months ahead, but actually that they were telling me that they cannot even function right now. Documents are piling, processes are hoarding. They simply have to do something right now in order to keep the company going. So all of a sudden, everybody wants for example, security system, uh, proofreading, verification system to be able to do across different departments, but remotely, they were no longer able to just walk to another person and say that, can you sign this document for me? Can you, can you verify this for me? So this is what we've seen in real. We have all of a sudden gone from a nice to have to an absolute need, like a need in, in, in no time. You know, I think like a people are, let's not forget that the you know, people are going to be more, at least from customers, right? I don't know about you guys, but I actually like uh, end up spending a lot more money on buying online. And I was actually reading yesterday that uh, PC Worlds, like a Curry's, they actually make up of two thirds of the store losses by the increase in e-commerce like, uh, uh, you know, trades and, and wow. transactions. So like uh, all of a sudden, you know, like uh, people are a lot more uh, astute and inclined uh, when it comes to shopping on like uh, online. So I think like uh, even on the, you know, like uh, the customers, the revenue end, you know, we are going to see a huge jump in digital transformation. How do leaders and, and, or, or businesses start to understand the difference between crisis and opportunity? Because there's a little bit of a paradox here for people, isn't there? So. Um, they're probably trying to navigate both at the same time. So how do people do that? See, Adam, if I can start, and, and what uh, Terence and I was saying before is, is uh, reinforced every single day by the fact that once you go digital, you cannot go really back to what you used to do before. So right. I think, Adam, the first is a bit of behavioral. Uh, suddenly you have move over and you move on from analog to digital and trying to bring it back that's something that is becoming impossible per se. So I think a little bit of, is a stumbling block coming from the fact that you have been able to move over. Secondly, I think cost is for many of this uh, organization now the issue, but many are hoping to get some relief, maybe get some loans or eventually yes. using their own funding. Uh, I guess the major concern they have is not necessarily just the cash. If they were able to survive is whether they'll be able to have the right capacity at the new demand because I think this is one of the issues we'll have more and more. We shifted to be different by the way we will express our demands. So question is whether a company will be able to address that or not with their capacity. And technology helps 
in reducing the learning curve you have in any of these or like relationship you might try to have with your customer, no matter if it's B2C or B2B. So I think a little right. bit of behavior, a little bit of habits, and a little bit of the fact that it's inevitable will 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 create somehow the the uh, the scenario in which we cannot really go back to what we used to do before, regardless of the cost. No, go on, Terence. And that really backs the question, right? You know, Mark. Um, you know, the fact that you know companies they do need to know, like they need they do need to actually like uh, get on with the digital transformations and using you know technologies. But how fast are actually people within you know the organizations themselves? You know, how fast are they actually running? Are they agile? Are they lean enough? Are they like uh, you know have they got the room? Have they got the space yes. um, to actually maneuver? Uh, you know, in order to take on and adapt like our technologies quickly. Danny, like uh, have we observed anything from our, like, our clients like uh, through Nexus Frontier Tech? Yeah, actually it, it's a very interesting scenario at the moment. Um, taking financial industry, for example, the hottest industry at the moment, whether it's stock exchange, um, financial institutions, handling all these stimulus monies from the governments, handling applications yeah. from, from enterprises is, is good for them. <laughs> but they're not ready for it. Right. They simply cannot, cannot handle the sudden influx of, of transactions. Yeah. I mean, stock exchange, for example, um, uh, we work with different stock exchanges and the volume suddenly increased by threefold, simply the buying and selling, um, the demand um, of, of these transactions suddenly increased by, by, by uh, um, just, just large volumes. So the key question comes into, there are two key questions uh, that people are looking into. Number one is the capacity. The capacity of the operating, whether can they increase the capacities to serve the demand? Right. And this is actually not too difficult to answer, whether they can hire more people, whether they can increase uh, the power of their engines and so on and so forth. Now, the question number two is rather what everyone is trying to solve at the moment. While they are able to cope with the demand, they need to answer whether are these transactions or are these service are able to deliver according to the rules and compliance. And that is the key questions of what everyone is right. asking themselves. While, I mean, echoing back to Mark, the, the leaders nowadays, while they are looking to are planning for increasing of operation capacity it's always in line everybody says that as long as you increase the sales we can increase the demand that's not a problem at all but the key question is then what is the bottleneck that is stopping them from apart from sales from stopping them from from able to deliver in a faster and cheaper way that is the compliance and this is the area where a lot of people are actually looking into it especially in financial industries um healthcare uh, even in insurance and legal as well in this situation. Right. And so are we finding that everything now is speeding up? Is, is that the case? And are you also finding, I'm loading my questions now, that are people fearing automation and AI or are they starting to embrace it? Or is it a little bit of both? I don't know. What are you finding in your experience, gents? Um, I'm going to start from here. I think it's a little bit similar to education industry. That's actually the best example. They have no option. They just have to try it. Before that, they have been asking for, let, let's put it this way in a, in a much more plain way. Before that, uh, when a client came to us, they have to ask for a lot of reference. They have to wait. They have to wait for internal discussions yeah. and planning. Now, they just have no option. They have to buy. They have to try. 
They have to learn and embrace it and use it. Simply, there's no option. So it's a must now. It's an imperative. Absolutely. Okay. I think so, you know, Adam, to echo yeah, on, on Danny, I think uh, it's no longer a question whether they want or not. I think we will have two kinds of organizations beside the one in the physical world world that still need to have an active supply because they have physical products, right? Let's say, for example, a retailer or a bakery or whatever, right? They will still yeah. be somehow cushioned by the fact that we have an immediate relationship in the physical world. Right. But there will be a number of different companies, and I think this is where we're going to see the big divide. Those companies that, through the crisis, were able to understand that technology and digitalization is a must and they will have also decreased by demystifying a lot the, the fear that we had about it before the pandemic. And those companies that because of financial mismanagement or simply because they were too complacent, they simply will have not been able to really do it. And I guess people think about it primarily by saying is the cash flow. And Terence is better than me at saying this. Clearly, companies that haven't managed the cash flow, they are in trouble. But I think beside this are also those companies that haven't been able to see the trend they simply decided to, to sit and wait, and that's exactly what we can't do anymore. We can no longer afford to sit and wait. So those companies that pivoted and experimented into the digital transformation, they'll find themselves capable to eventually deal with this, notwithstanding what Danny said, which is something very true. Sometimes market seems to be more exciting than the reality of compliance. And so how do you strike a balance? I think that's a different conversation to have. But for sure, this has become a must. Do you think some people have just missed the weak signals? If you put the pandemic to one side, which I know is incredibly difficult, do you think that there have been organisations and leaders who have just missed the weak signals? I think we have always been missing the weak signals. Like, uh, uh, you know, in in a in a very um, you know in, in many ways, like uh, we live in a in a like a Newtonian world, right? Everything is number like uh, is quantified. Uh, you know, everything is number driven. All of a sudden, we realize that you know, for instance, you know, efficiency is not necessarily the key to like uh, to like a uh, company survival. It is yeah. brilliant, right? Um, all of a sudden, we realize that you know, like uh, protecting. Uh, you know, our, our workforce, it's far more important than protecting our like uh, bottom line. Um, all of a sudden, we realize that redundancies and slacks are actually, you know, it's actually equals to robustness. Um, we have been you know, like uh, too focused like uh, on very narrow aspects of business. And, and so like, uh, I think like uh, going forward, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we will be a lot more attuned to weak signals simply because, you know, these signals are always there. And, you know, if you add enough weak signals together they will become you know uh, they will form a major trend and so um you know like uh, you know like uh, being able being a lot more sensitive to it is absolutely critical but the good right. news is going back to what you were asking earlier on like uh, adam is that you know i think like uh, people's like a pushback when it comes to technologies whether you're actually customers employer employers employees um you know like uh, you are probably everyone is far more open to algorithms and uh, and technologies um so i think going forward right we are going to see more and more uh people embracing technologies with less fear so let me ask you another conundrum that i know leaders are dealing with right now gents and that's strangely whilst we've had lack of physical proximity during the pandemic yeah. the human connection has gone up between people where how are you has been a genuine question because people really want to know how people are. And we've learned so much more about people from watching them in their home environment and on Zoom calls. But on the other side, digital transformation is enforced, it's accelerated. And sometimes people 
feel that that is a negative to human connection. So again, how do we find that balance? The pandemic has, has increased human connection. The desire for automation, does that decrease human connection? Where's the balance in that? Well, Adam, I can try to, to share a thought. Thanks, I was thinking Mark. about a very similar question uh, in earlier, right? Earlier today. Um, you know, there is a side of us that will go back to some normal habits once we're going to be able to be released from our cages. You know, I think we see now the world by the fact that we have the lack of the physical experience, but we have the exposure to the digital and to the mental space. Yeah. And I guess imagine that we could go out there tomorrow, go back to a restaurant, travel. I think we will go back to the fact that we start shortening our time and we start being busy again. So I wonder whether the human relationship or the human dimension is nothing more than somehow a collateral of the fact that we have more time, but it might simply be lost one more time when we are transacting to a faster, which is yes. one side of the story. The other side of the story is that we have discovered maybe connection with people that we were not able to establish before. If during the time the bond became strong enough, it will also persist after the lockdown. We have experience, for example, collaboration with people that have always been in our network, but we right. never really took the time to work with, and now suddenly we have. So it's likely that those bonds will stay. I think others will simply become, again, part of our, our fast lives. It's all so about the relationship, a, isn't it? Yeah. I, I remember like, Danny was actually raising this issue, and, and that is this, you know, like, um, you know, like all of a sudden, like you're saying, Adam, you know, and I fully agree with you, you know, all of like, uh, we all, all very like, uh, like, uh, you know, connected with each other. We all hook up. We all, you know, like uh, get in touch with each other. We care about each other, like uh, each other far more than before. The question is, like Mark was saying, how do you actually prolong it? How do you actually extend it? How do you improve it? Um, I think technologies can actually help because just like just as technologies allowing us to actually work together, uh, like you know, even with this podcast, you know, and like, like this. You know, you know, going forward, right, we can actually see technologies really actually deepening human emotions and connections. Danny, like uh, that was something that you mentioned earlier, right? Absolutely. Actually, well, to me as a technical person, uh, technology has always been just a tool and it's entirely dependent on human beings on how to how to use it. I mean, take, take ourselves back 20 years earlier, before we had the internet, before we had Google, Facebook, social media, how we live. And did we really see that our lives, our friendship to our friends and family has become worse after we have uh, those technology? On the bad part, it's yes. I mean, you focus a lot more on the mobile. Uh, the kids are focusing on a lot more on the video games. But on the other hand, you're able to reach them anytime. You're able to know what they're doing anytime you want. I mean, provided that there is a communication. So it's a facilitation too to have a new way of living. And, and as a tool itself, combining with the, with the situation change, sometimes it's technology driving the change. For example, when the mobile came into our life, and right now, it's a situation driving us to adopt the, the use of these two to force us into another new type of relationship. Danny, for a technical person, you are very philosophical. Uh, Danny, listen, I'm, I'm actually touched and moved by your words. I, <laughs> I, I am actually, I, I wish I could hug you. Just, <laughs> because I, think, I think it's topical that we say that right now, but yeah. 
And he can monitor you too, like uh, Mark. He can track you. Can track <laughs> That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I, think, I think what's happening now is we're, we're kind of having a virtual group hug. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's yes. what, what's going on. Yes, I, I, can I ask who's holding my hand, guys? Who is it? Who is it? I feel it. I love, I love you too, Adam. I love you too. <laughs> you see, I did warn everybody that this would be a, a, a tiger by the tail. Yeah. But I, so it seems that Leo yeah. are facing a new set of dilemmas, and I could talk to you guys for ages. And it's so lovely to catch up. And in some ways, I'm you know I'm sorry that it took a pandemic for us to all jump on a call like this. But I'm delighted that we have. So with a new set of challenges and a new set of opportunities and a new set of dilemmas for leaders. Um, I want to finish up with asking each of you, what would be your top tip for leaders of any organization, small, medium and global multinationals, for them to try and navigate this topic in the new normal or business as usual? And as yet, we don't know what that will look like. So what would be your top tip? And I, I don't mind who starts, but you've probably got your thinking caps on. Top tip, gents, what would it be? Hey, I'll start. I know, I, always, Thanks, I always know how to to answer this very difficult question because uh, I I'm good at improvising, Adam. But anyway, I think my very top tip would be that if there is a time where change is allowed, and organization can be redesigned, many leaders would have been thinking about this for years, but they will always find in political hurdles, financial yes. hurdles. This is the time where you can really unleash your creativity on what kind of company you want to be because change will be much more tolerated since we don't really have something that is pulling us back. Yeah. That would be my top tip to them. Thank you. It's almost become non-negotiable now, hasn't it? So thank you. So Terence or Danny, who's going to go next? Danny. Um, yeah, I can, I can go first. Well, to, uh, to me as a, as a entrepreneur, these actually provide the best opportunity. Um, in a normal time, you basically have to go after the same target year after year. Right. You never were given an opportunity to actually do something different that can walk out of your circle of comfort. Um, now is the best time. I mean, every crisis, every crisis of, in, in the historical time provides the best opportunity for new companies, new products, new service, and new way of doing things to, to serve the human way better. And, and that's what you see um, all these companies are doing. I actually started to rethink all my, all my partnerships with, with uh, my suppliers, my customers. Yeah. Some will call me and say that, you know, Danny, we, we, we just want to, to say hi. We just want to know how are you doing. That's Some, that human connection bit again. That's human connection. Some actually call and say that, I'd like to send you a bill. We need money now. We need to survive. Um, that's what really happened. So, so it, it, it is a fresh perspective into, into looking at things, uh, what you can provide, and, and to start thinking about what can you do right after, right after the, 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 the crisis. And a lot more companies, including myself, is rather right now preparing for the comeback. And this preparation is simply the key. Who can do better in this preparation is the one that is going to shine out. Danny, you have become rather philosophical, haven't you, in lockdown, which is rather marvellous. <laughs> <which is, laughs> I think the pandemic, and now I see for the first time the benefit of the pandemic. Yeah, yes. or the cost. <laughs> or the cost of the pandemic, yeah. I can see the <laughs> damages <laughs> of the pandemic. Where is Danny? Where yes. is Danny? Well, see, exactly. You see, I've created a new me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to combine the, uh, what these two guys were actually yeah, talking about. Yeah, go on, Terence. 
Um, so basically, to me, the top tip is this, like, uh, you know, take care of the people, um, you know, suppliers, employees, because ultimately, right, no matter how much technologies you put in, technologies by themselves, they're not going to actually build up more resilience. They're not going to actually help your organizations to, uh, to survive the next, uh, the next crisis. Ultimately, it is always the people. And if you know, like, um, if you don't care of the people, take care of the people, you're effectively throwing away the the, uh, the the main and probably the only meaningful, valuable asset that any organization has got. Thank you very much, gentlemen. This has been a lot of fun. It's uh, it's going to be a great episode. It really is. Uh, I'm looking forward to the edit section, which is always where the magic happens. But I hope that you'll all join me again when we're out of this unprecedented and rather strange situation we find ourselves in because yep. i know this is something that you're all passionate about you you talk about this and you operationalize this all over the world with companies all over the world so will you come back and join me when when maybe some degree of normality has come back would that be all right absolutely, absolutely. Adam, you're the one escaping us hello no. Adam. <laughs> no there will be no escape because i think people will want another episode uh, of this kind of crazy because it's a good kind of crazy yeah, exactly. Agreed. All right. Crazy. Gentlemen, you've been brilliant. Thank you so much, Adam. Join us again next week for more essential insights on the leadership enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or via our website, www.pca-global.com. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Thanks for listening.